We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lords by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lordsdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Good morning, everyone. When I was a focused missionary, there was a, another guy uh, in my time who was a really successful missionary. Uh, he had a, just a real skill for being able to reach young men and for helping them encounter the gospel. And he had, he had kind of a big following. And guys would look up to him and they'd say to this guy, you know, my life is different because of you and I've finally encountered God and my faith is alive. And he was really good at that. But he also liked to mess with his students. I just saw like 10 people wake up. Anyway, he did though. He would mess with his students. So he used to take them to like a 7-Eleven after they were converted. They'd be like on fire for their faith, sold out for Jesus, ready to kind of just give their life for it. And he would take them to like a 7-Eleven and he would be walking through the aisles or whatever and he'd just start grabbing things off the shelf and he'd be like, quick, put this in your pocket. And like, he'd like slide, slide this in your jacket, like hide this. And they, and students were like, like you're, like what? Like, like I love God, be, what? <laughs> and just totally horrified, right? Um, now I don't know about you, but I'm guessing you probably felt that way after today's gospel. If you paid attention at all today to today's gospel, you should have been like, what? Like, Jesus today, if you were listening, right? If you were listening today, it sounds like Jesus is like, hey, you know what? You should steal from your boss to cover your own behind. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> you're God. Like, what? Like, that's what it sounds like today. This is one of those days, brothers and sisters, we have, when the gospel sounds like something strange happened, you and I need to question. And we got to wake up and say, what is going on? And it should make you say, instead of ignoring it, we should make a study and go deeper and say, what is going on here? Jesus is not encouraging dishonesty. He is not encouraging embezzlement. He doesn't do that. There's something very profound and deep today, and you're going to love it. This gospel is absolutely beautiful, and it's really challenging. We're going we're gonna to open that up. But if, you got, if you're going to understand the gospel today, the first thing you need to understand is you have to understand the weight of debt. You have to, if you're going to understand it, you've got to understand debt. If you've had debt in your life, it is a heavy and difficult thing. So today, I, I was prepping earlier to, early this morning, and I just thought, well, let's look up what the national debt is. Now, I'm not normally someone who kind of follows this. I'm, that's just not me. I know it's important, but I just don't. So I, I got online and I looked up the national debt. Now, it's a really big number, and so I had to, like, count, you know, like, you, like, see the commas and the number, and you're like, okay, 
Uh, that's millions, that's billions, that's trillions with a T. Our national debt, as of this morning, is $22.5 trillion with a T. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that just sounds like monopoly money. It's like, I don't know what a trillion dollars is, but that's like a lot, right? <laughs> You're like, you can't buy Park Place with more than like, you know, or with less than a billion. So, trillion is like a lot. Feels like monopoly money. Let's break it down. So, for every American, if you break down that debt, if you break it down and you divide it by how many people we have in this country, then your share in the national debt is $68,500. $68, That's a lot of money. If you, if you just did taxpayers, if you didn't say every man, woman, and child, if you just did taxpayers, for taxpayers, it's $183,251 per taxpayer. That's your share of our national debt. It's a lot of money. And think about that. The, the, the kids in our church, right, they don't know anything about this. Those children have a $68,000 share in our national debt. At the last Mass, the the kids come up because we have children's liturgy of the word. So the kids come up and they go off for kind of like they study the gospel of that day and they do like a little activity. And the kids came up and two of the kids, one of them looked at the other one. He goes, I know you. You're in my class. And the other kid goes, yeah, I know you. You're in my class. And I said, yeah, well, you both have a $68,000 debt. <laughs> and that's the real truth. I didn't really say that. But I was thinking, I was like, man, that's, that's a lot of money. Debt's a serious thing. If you, if you come regularly here to Lord's, any time in the New Testament that you hear the word debt, you know something's going on that's deeper than money. And the reason you know that is because you know that the Our Father, in the literal translation of the Greek, says, forgive us our debts. It does not say trespasses. The Greek word ophelimata is debt. And every time you pray the Our Father, the image that the New Testament uses is that you and I pr pray for the forgiveness of our debts. And today, brothers and sisters, we're going to break this open. It is super powerful. It is beautiful. Today's gospel is the story of a steward who diminishes people's debts. Debt is the primary analogy in the New Testament for sin. In Jesus' ministry, beginning in Luke chapter 4, he proclaims that his ministry is about the forgiveness of debts. And you've got to understand that. If you're going to understand today's parable, you have to feel the weight of debt. And you've got to understand that analogy to sin. And ultimately, we're going to get to this in one second. To cut to the chase, what today's gospel about, brothers and sisters, what it is about is it's about almsgiving. It's about loving the poor. And I have to say this, in the world today, 
there's kind of, there's a new division among Christians. And a lot of people actually would say it's stronger than the division between Catholics and Protestants. And there's kind of two kinds of Christians in the world today. There's the Orthodox Christians, that can be you guys. Orthodox Christians, and the Orthodox Christian battle cry is, we believe in Jesus, we believe in what he teaches, we believe what the church says, which is good. The other part of kind of Christianity today is you guys, right? And you guys, the battle cry of kind of uh, social justice Christians is we love the poor. And we treat the poor well and we do what's right for the poor. That's a huge problem. One of my great prayers for Our Lady of Lords is that that division does, it has no place here. It has absolutely no place here. You cannot be orthodox and believe in the teachings of Jesus Christ and his church and not love the poor. You can't do it. If you think you can love him without loving the poor, you have gravely deceived yourself. Archbishop Schaap, you, you've probably heard me say this before, there was one mass at the cathedral that was just haunting for me, I remember. And he made everyone in the cathedral stand up. I don't think we had to stand. Memory, you know, you get older. But we didn't stand, but, we, but he made everyone repeat after him like three times. He made the whole congregation say, if I do not love the poor, I will go to hell. And he made the congregation say that. And he said it, he made us say that, because that's what the gospel said in Matthew 25. Brothers and sisters, so if you're going to love God, if you're going to love Jesus, you can't do that. You can't pretend that you believe his teachings if you don't love the poor. On this side, though, right, loving the poor means so much more than giving them food and shelter. The, the biggest thing the poor need is the same thing all of us need, which is we need him. We don't need a watered-down version of him. We need him in all of his glory and his beauty and his truth. And those two things go hand in hand. They have no business being separated. So how do we understand this parable? This is so beautiful. It's so cool. And it's so simple. In the ancient world, today's main character, the steward into the parable Jesus tells, that steward, in Greek it's an oikonomos. The oikonomos, the steward, what was typical in that job in the ancient world is if you loaned out money, you managed your master's estate. And so imagine like Deacon Darrell's my boss. And I give out a loan of, I give $100 out to somebody. What you would do, though, is you wouldn't just give out 100 You might give him the 100 but then what he owed back was 125 And that extra $25 belong to the steward. And so he had his cut. He added above and beyond what was lent out, and it was his cut. And it's so simple today. Scripture scholars tell us what the steward in this story is doing is he knows he hasn't done a great job in his position, and he's going to lose it. And so what does he do? 
that amount of the money of the loan that was coming back to him is cut out. He forfeits his own share in the profit. Debts, brothers and sisters, right? The people who are borrowing from this, this wealthy lender, right? They owe, whatever they owe, these are poor people. And the steward today, what he does is he cuts himself out and he forgives what he's able to. He forgives their debt. Jesus, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are in debt to us. This story is at the heart of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, you cannot be a Christian and not love the poor. You can't do it. And the early church understood this. Our church is famous from all of history. The entire time the Catholic Church has existed, you and I have been famous because we love the poor. Hospitals were invented by the Catholic Church to take care of those who were dying. Catholics invented orphanages. In fact, it's fascinating. In history, as Christianity moves throughout Europe, new words had to be invented for things like orphanages because they didn't exist before. And the reason that that happened is because Christians, our forefathers and, and the, the brothers and sisters who went before us in faith, when they saw poor people, they saw Christ. And they knew that at the end of their life, they, were, they would be an accounting, just like in today's parable. The steward is called to make an accounting of his, his position. You and I will be called to make an accounting for our life. And the way that if you want to get in with God, right, if you want to be welcomed into eternal dwellings, which we're going to get to that in one second here, you must love the poor. You have to love the poor. How does this work? And it's so simple. This is right at the heart of the gospel. It is unthinkable. I thought of, you know, last week we had the prodigal son. After the prodigal son was welcomed back into his father's house and experienced such profound mercy, it's unthinkable that he would not then become a man of mercy for others. The way the gospel works is that when we have been loved, and not just in a shallow way, but in an unthinkable way, that love doesn't stop with us. It has to go out. First Peter chapter 1 says this. It says, you know, brothers and sisters, that you were ransomed, right? To be ransomed it means to be bought out of slavery. You were bought out of slavery, not with perishable things, such as silver and gold but with the precious blood of Christ, 
like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Right? My debt in my life, right? I owe, you know, $68,000 of our national debt, right? And there's, there's things in my life that I owe, but I make a priest salary so I can pay back just about anything. Like, that's how priests roll. My debt before God was too great. And I can't pay it back. It's too big. My debt was so great before God, the only thing that could pay it back was the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive me my debt as I forgive those who are indebted to me. When you know the depth to which you have been loved and the degree to which you have been forgiven, brothers and sisters, and the price it cost, it cost God his only son for your redemption. The sign, one of the great signs of a Christian who really gets it is that they love the poor. Because they know in front of God, every one of us is poor. And God was good to me in my poverty. So I have to be good when I encounter the poor. So powerful. I want to leave you with this today. I do so many weddings. And weddings are kind of fun. It's a great chance to preach to people who don't go to church. Um, and I'm like, I'm like, you, you don't go to church. <laughs> get up here. <laughs> and it's kind of fun to go after some things, but I'll spare you. But anyway, I freak people out, but one of the things that always is kind of, a, I, I can just feel people don't get it. At weddings, the Catholic Church invokes today's gospel. If you were married in the Catholic Church, you received a blessing that refers to today's gospel. If you're going to get married, you will receive a blessing on your wedding day that references today's gospel. And if you were married outside the church, talk to me after Mass. Okay, the first two blessings make sense. The first blessing says this. It says, may God, the eternal Father, keep you of one heart and love for one another. And the bride and the groom are right here, and they're like, one heart. Right? Everybody's like, yep, that's beautiful. Yep, one heart, check. And all the non-like mass-going people are like, yep, that's beautiful. The second blessing says this. It says, May you be blessed in your children, have solace in your friends, and enjoy true peace with everyone. You know, and people are like, the, the non-Christian like, people are kind of like, well, children, I, I guess if you want them, you know, they're expensive. But they're like, okay, check, okay. The third one, though, just doesn't seem to fit. The third blessing at a wedding says this. It says, may you be witnesses in the world to God's charity. So that the afflicted and the needy who have known your kindness may one day receive you thankfully into the eternal dwelling of God. Hear that again. May you be witnesses in the world to God's charity. So that the afflicted and needy who have known your kindness may one day receive you thankfully into the eternal dwelling 
of God. That was today's gospel. The steward today says, I know what I will do so that they will welcome me into their homes. Right? He forgives their debts and they well, they're going to welcome him into their homes after he loses his job. And Jesus today, the last part when he explains the parable today, he says this. He says, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon. Your money can do a lot of things. It can do a lot of good things. It can give you a nice retirement. It can afford you a lifestyle that's comfortable. And it can also win you heaven. Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal habitations. Brothers and sisters, that poor single mother who you helped that one time and you paid her rent for a month, she's going to be standing at the gates of heaven to welcome you. And the, the guy who was down on his luck and hadn't had a job for 10 years that you spent time with and you took to lunch, he'll be there. He'll be there to welcome you to heaven. The way we love the poorest is a lot about whether or not we understand what God has done for us. Jesus, today, Lord, forgive me my debts. And Lord, may I pay down the debts of those who can't pay their own. 